Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our Friday Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Andrew Womack and today my guest is former Congressman Bill Redmond and he's been with us a long time. I'm going to give him a better introduction here in just a minute or two, but let me just mention some things that are coming up first. First of all, I'd like to mention that if you haven't checked out our Truth and Liberty uh, website, that's uh, truthandliberty.net. And uh, we have a 24-hour news feed there where we collect news from all these different places and condense it and you can peruse it and it saves you having to spend uh, hours and hours a day to see what's going on. That's really a good thing. We have also, I forget, but it's close to 100 links to other websites where you can learn how to vote, how to deal with things, uh, who your representatives are, who's running for school board. We've got links to all kinds of things. So our truthandliberty.net website is kind of a clearinghouse where you can go and get a lot of information. And then also I'm going to be, uh, tomorrow I'll be in Chesapeake, Virginia, and I'm going to be ministering there with uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson. If you don't know him, he is, he's a fireball. I love him. And he's got a ministry called STAND, which is an acronym for Stand True to America's National Destiny. So he's bringing his people, his church together, and our people from that area are going to be there. We're going to be at Chesapeake uh, Conference Center, and uh, it'll be good. That's uh, going to be tomorrow night. And then on February the 8th and the 9th, we got Gene Bailey bringing his Flashpoint to our Karis Bible College here in Woodland Park, Colorado. And it's really going to be good. We're going to have, of course, Gene Bailey, myself, Lance Wallnow, uh, Kylie Jean Tannehill, Mike Lindell, Hank Kuhneman, Luke Ball, and Rick Green are all going to be speaking at that. And it's really going to be good. So if you are anywhere local, we would like to encourage you to come. But also this will be live streamed. So you can go to our website and get more information about that at awmi.net slash events. So I just wanted to mention those things and encourage you to participate and be a part of that. So this is Bill Redmond. Man, you got quite a sheet here, your introduction. I'm not sure that I can go through all this, but you are an ordained minister. You've pastored. You've been in Congress. You've run for Congress. You've been defeated through a false or a, a rigged election. Uh, you've worked with... Um, uh, what uh, focus on the family and family policy alliance Chuck and, and Chuck you yes. you've been around a yeah. few times yes 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 that's awesome it's awesome to be here and as we shared before the program you know one of my favorite weeks of every year is the week that I'm here at Karis that's and, awesome uh, to be with you to be with the students and to see the students you know wanting to get grounded in a biblical worldview and take action and you know Andrew sometimes what we see in the church is we have people who think and don't act and then we have people that act that don't think and we need to <laughs> we we That's need to we need to bring it together yeah um, and uh, uh, because out in uh, society and getting involved in politics without thinking about things it's not good that doesn't represent Jesus you know just take a look at the creation 
creation, the, the creation that God made at the end of every day. He said it was good. It was excellent. And we're called to be excellent like that. And, and Karis is a place of excellence and pursues excellence. And every person you meet it treats the guests guest in a very excellent way. And so when if a Christian's going to go out and run for office, they need to be excellent at it. And I, I say stupid for Jesus is still stupid. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I tell yeah. the students, get grounded in a biblical world we see, you know, why you're running for office and then learn the practical things that are necessary to run an effective campaign so you can win. So you've got a theological degree. You've pastored. I think you're still pastoring, aren't you? Interim, like for yes. uh, in Los Animas, uh, Los in Alamos, Mexico? Yep. Los Alamos. And uh, so anyway, how did you transition from uh, being a, I don't know if theologian, but anyway, a Christian minister? How did you get involved in politics? Because there's a lot of people that think that those things are contradictory to each other. Well, and especially pastors think that. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever I talk to pastors that are not engaged with what's going on politically, culturally, socially, uh, I'll say, well, what are you doing? They say, well, we're, we're saving souls. And I said, well, where's the authority for that? And they'll say, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And I'll say, well, well what does Jesus say right before that? He says, all authority in heaven on earth that's good. I hadn't looked at it that way. What, what, are, are you trying to tell me that economic authority, educational authority, political authority, industrial authority, commercial authority, all that falls outside of the Lordship of Jesus? And that's part of the problem is that it was a progressive philosophy that, got, that, that became a progressive theology and Christians separated themselves and they would take Jesus as Savior but not Lord over his whole creation. And that's part of, that's a main reason, main problem that brought us to where we are Yeah, today. people can't departmentalize their life and say, this is my spiritual life, but then here's my secular life. That's just ungodly. It is. He wants to be Lord over all. And you know, you could talk about the border issue. That is a moral issue. It that, is a moral like, issue. Was it Venezuela or one of those things that let out all of their convicts and told them to go across the border into the U.S. They freed all of their convicts. This is a moral They issue. probably used it to balance the budget. Well, it might have. <laughs> but you could talk about immigration. You could talk about, of course, abortion. That's Absolutely. A, that's a moral issue. You can talk about the transgenderism. You can talk about homosexuality. Every single thing, we are the ones that have the moral ground on this, and Christians to withdraw into the church is the reason we're in the mess we're in. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and just being politically engaged is insufficient. They need to be grounded in a biblical worldview. I've seen Christians that, you know, hardcore evangelicals, they get elected, you know, they go to Congress, they go to the State House, or, or you know, wherever they go to serve, but because they're not grounded in a biblical yeah. worldview, eventually they're listening to political consultants yeah. and then they begin to creep away from from uh, you know Christian values see it's a Christian worldview that gives rise to the Christian values and if they're not grounded in biblical worldview then the Christian values start eroding as well so before we get too far into this uh, you've got some material here you said 50 lessons on biblical worldview of government how do people get that and take it, advantage it's biblical worldview, worldview of government and it's tied to campaigning and uh, it's important for people to uh, uh, you know to link those two 
together. And uh, we do have a website. And uh, and that's uh, runforoffice.training. Yes, correct. And so they could get these correct. 50 lessons there. Do you have other materials? That, that's or? correct. That, and that's where they can get a hold of me, and that's where the lessons are. Okay. And uh, it, 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 it covers everything from a biblical worldview of government, the founding of America, all the way down to how do you raise your money to get elected. You know, I talk to uh, candidates, for whenever a new candidate comes and says, oh, Congressman, you know, any tips, you know, help me get elected. And I said, well, how many votes do you need to win? And go, well, I don't know. And I said, well, you're not ready. That's right. <laughs> and so one of the things we do here at Karis, and Kim Kohler does an excellent job with mm -hmm. this program, is that we, we show them how they need to understand, and there's formulas that use to determine how, do you vote, how many votes that you need. Once you know how many votes you need, then you know how much you have to communicate, and then you can build your budget, and then you know what your fundraising obligations are. But see, people want to go out and buy yard signs and bumper stickers, and they think that's campaigning, but uh, they're going to lose. Sounds like there's a lot of real practical steps that a person of, may not think about. Ab absolutely practical. And I see here that you've had 80 people that you've trained in this who've actually won uh, Absolutely. One of the races that I love that I love to talk about the most, it, it happened in New Mexico, and we did this while I was with uh, Citizen Link, the uh, political arm at the time of uh, Focus on the Family, is that there was one uh, Christian brother that um, he, it looked like he was going to go down. He was an incumbent, but it looked like he was going to go down. And I went into the database, and I found 1,965, and I remember that number, 1,965 uh, pro-life people who were not coming out to vote. They had not showed up in the previous four elections. And if you're See, I don't even know how you find that information. That's, it, that's some of the practical it, stuff. That's some that of the, and, and we talk about that in the training. We talk yeah. about that in the training. And and so when uh, so what we did is that we sent out through the New Mexico affiliate of Citizen Link, we sent out three postcards, big postcards, and and it told where the candidates were on the issues. And so uh, out of those 1,965 people, over 80 percent showed the vote wow. because we had, we had given them information and given them a reason to come out and vote, and he won by 12 votes. Wow. And then it was contested because they thought maybe they would have won. Well, in the recount, we found out he only won by eight votes. There's absolutely no way that that Christian brother would have won that state house seat had Christians not come out. So just in my mind, I'm doing the math, 80% would have been 15 to 1,600 people correct. that you got involved and he won by 12 votes. That's correct. That's pretty awesome. That's the magnitude of the Christians that are sitting on the sidelines. And so if they're complaining about what they see on television, <clears throat> it's time that they get off out of their lazy boy chair yeah. and, 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 and go out. You know, I, you and I were talking on Wednesday that one, one of the images that I so love in the, in, in the book of Acts is uh, Paul is in Damascus. His life is threatened, okay? And uh, the disciples there say, we got to rescue you. They put him in a basket, wrap ropes around, and they let it down the wall, okay, outside the city of Damascus. You know, they, working with God, turned Paul loose on the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I tell people, you either get in the basket or you get on the ropes. The rope people were just as important the as The rope Paul. people were just as important. He made it, Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, uh, if you could, could you speak to maybe somebody who wants to run for office, 
doesn't have a clue and speak to some of the things that they would need to do. But then also maybe somebody who is running for office but only is putting up bumper stickers and yard sign and they, how would you speak to those? People? Sure, sure, sure. You know, we're a body and Paul says some are eyes, some are toes, some are hands and a campaign is the same thing. And uh, even though the candidate is the most valuable asset of the campaign, the candidate cannot do it all by himself or herself. And 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 if, if a person is thinking about running for office, we've had people thought about running for office, they've gone through the course and they've run and they've won. And we have other people and they go through the course they say, uh, I'm not going to do this, but you know what? What I've learned here, I can go out and volunteer, yeah. and I know more than the candidate that's my friend, and I can help him or her that's get right. elected. And so there's there's many ways, and uh, I'll just put in a shameless plug for Karis. You need to come here and get in the practical government school. <laughs> How long have you been ministering in our practical government? I think this is year eight. Wow. I think that time flies. <laughs> and I tell you, one time, just for those watching, I sat down with you and Bill Redmond. We were having lunch. Bill Federer. Bill Federer. So Bill Federer, we sat right on the other side of that wall yeah. and had lunch over there and you guys just got to talking about things that you had been through. Both of you have run for office. Uh, you've been elected to office and things. And I tell you, it was one of the most powerful things. And I had other people in there that said the same thing. And so to have your expertise in our practical government school is really significant. Yeah. Yeah. It's really helping. You know, Abraham Lincoln lost multiple races, never spent a day in college or law school, mm -hmm. read the Bible and law books in front of his fireplace, and he transformed the economic system of Western civilization. A lot of people would say, well, that was a different day. You can't do that yeah. nowadays. And, 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 and the, th the thing is, is that um, he failed multiple times. It's like, it's like Thomas Edison when he was inventing the light bulb, yeah. you know, after 103 different, you know, types of uh, filaments and, and none of them worked, you know, they said, when are you going to quit? And he says, you haven't learned a thing. And he said, yes, I have. I've learned 103 that don't work. <laughs> and, and so we wouldn't have the light bulb if it was not for that persistence. And, and so, uh, but I, I encourage, well, you know, number one, I encourage folks to get involved with the political, you know, your practical government school, or they can go online and take a look at the material that we have. And I think we've got a, uh, a trial offer and uh, money back guarantee if it doesn't fit. Uh, but, uh, uh, and, 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 if a, and if a Christian is in a race and it looks like they're gonna win, what happens is the consultants swarm around you and they wanna be able to help you get elected and over the finish line. But a lot of those consultants do not hold a biblical worldview yeah. and they twist the candidate's head into a pragmatism. Yeah. And then once they get elected, uh, the consultants are drafting money off of the campaign yeah. and, and then the candidate becomes ineffective once he gets elected. Yeah, I helped someone run for uh, high government office and their, their, uh, their values were right. But when they were running, they got really attacked over the abortion issue and some other things. And they decided based on uh, 
these people that were advising them to not make an issue out of that. And they got quiet and they lost. They would have won if they have stood their ground. The, 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 the best example of that is Bishop E.W. Jackson. Yeah. I talked to him when he was here at Truth and Liberty mm -hmm. a year or two ago, and um, I use his information when I do training. There's an article out there called Vaccines Versus Leeches, okay? And, and this was way before the whole vaccine thing uh, that we've had with, you know, with COVID. But Bishop Jackson was the lieutenant governor candidate for the state of Virginia. Ken Cuccinelli was, the, uh, was a gubernatorial candidate. And the media and the Republicans were beating up our brother E.W. Jackson because he was talking about Jesus on the campaign trail. Mm -hmm. and, and the consultants, the consultants told Cuccinelli, who was the top, the top pro-life leader in the state of Virginia, turn it off and tone it down because you're going to lose if you don't do that. And so Cuccinelli did. They blamed the loss on E.W. Jackson. But when the election was over, they found out, they found out through the research, and I've got the research on this, that they would have won if all, the only thing that Cuccinelli needed to say was an abortion clinic has to be as clean as your dentist office, and it would have been a 12-point victory. Wow. But because he was silent, they went down. But then they blamed it on E.W. Jackson. Well, we're going to take a break here in uh, about 10 minutes or so and take some calls. And I want to encourage you to please call in. You know, if you're interested in any of this, if you have questions for Bill, uh, we'll be taking calls here in about 11 minutes, 719-619-2341. But, you know, Bill, I think that this is where the Christians... I don't know why, but they have this pressure on them that we're always going to offend somebody. And if we would just tone down our rhetoric, if we would compromise and not be so bold with speaking, that we would appeal to the moderates and things like this. I think it's just the opposite. I think that conservatism, moral stuff, if we were to stand our ground and just say it's not about a woman's choice, it's murder. It's not about just letting farm workers in to harvest our crops. We are letting terrorists in. And if we would make those points and stick with them and speak, absolutely. I think we'd win every single time. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so the state of New Mexico has followed the, uh, changing the laws in multiple states. So in the state of New Mexico right now, there were four bills uh, that went down in the last legislative session uh, last February. And uh, right now in the state of New Mexico, uh, um, for beginning in kindergarten, uh, uh, for, through all the way through 12th grade at the beginning of the year, children will be asked, what gender are you or what gender That's do you want to be? Oh, 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 well, well but, but it, it, it gets worse than that because <laughs> now, you, now we have a situation to where it's required every year and if the child says something that is opposite of what their biological gender is, that the authority in the state of New Mexico is the school system can now begin that transition without notifying the That's parents and, and people need to understand that the chemical castration drug that they use on pedophiles are now being used on fourth and fifth grade boys in, in, in schools across the United States and their parents don't know it and, and the puberty blockers that are being used on girls so that they will not grow so that they can become mothers that the, that the, the, that the schools are mutilating our children and, 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 and I, I said this in the class just this week I said that, you know, civil disobedience is biblical. Mm -hmm. And of course, we go back to things like, you know, Peter, 
Acts chapter 4, mm -hmm. you know, well, stop preaching on Jesus. Well, you make up your mind, government. It's going to be, you know, should we obey you or should we be old God? So we see Peter has civil disobedience. Well, where'd he get it from? He got it from Daniel, yeah. you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you know where it started? The first recorded act of civil disobedience was the Hebrew women in Egypt. Mm -hmm. When Pharaoh said to kill their children, it was the Hebrew women yeah. that were the first to uh, to disobey the governing authorities and as we said as you said yesterday when we talked on Wednesday when we talked and you said God bless them for that yeah. civil disobedience. people need to understand God will bless civil disobedience let me ask you a question you hear about all of the border crossings and all the people that are coming across and Texas is always in the news well New Mexico shares the border with Mexico, uh, do you have the same immigration issues? We, we, we have some, but not the degree of Texas. New Mexico doesn't have the infrastructure that Texas has to move them across the country. <laughs> and uh, we don't have the facilities for housing and transportation and that. So what happens is most of them come through Texas. And that's, and that's by design uh, with, with this presidential administration. Uh, it's not that it doesn't happen in New Mexico, uh, but New Mexico itself, um, you know, is a very state and it just does not have the infrastructure to move the numbers that this president wants moved. So they have to go through Texas and how about or, Cal the, or California. How about the border wall? I know that uh, Trump put up a lot of it. Does it, uh, I don't, is there some of that? In I don't New know Mexico how much or? of it's in New Mexico. I don't, I Where don't, is the border I think wall, most you know? of the border wall was California and Arizona, but I'd have to research that. I'd have to research that, but, um, uh, and, and it is, it is a national problem. And, 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 and see, if we only look at the immigration issue and not understand how it is tied to chemical castration of children, to a destruction of the economy, that, that you know, uh, the, the totalitarian government, that we need to see them as so all how being, are they all tied together? They tie together. Now, how? the first thing I, I want I want you, the, the, the viewers to be real careful, I don't believe that there's a conspiracy like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. But there are so many people that have been trained in this worldview, which is not just a philosophy, it is a religious worldview. It is that, that progressivism is their religion, okay? And naturalism is their religion, and they are acting out their religion. They are putting into law the things that they believe about their religious faith. And Could so, you define progressivism and naturalism? Okay, so it, 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 all, it all starts with the idea that God doesn't exist. Francis Schaeffer said it best, uh, one of my favorite, uh, favorite Christian authors. Francis Schaeffer says, ultimate reality is either personal or impersonal. If it's personal and, and God speaks creation into being, okay, then we have the opportunity for life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Naturalism, progressivism, um, uh, materialism is rests on the idea that the only thing that exists, the only thing that ultimate reality is only physical, the material, and the energy universe. There's nothing that stands above the universe. So you and I, we believe that God exists and he spoke the creation into the being. The creation, the universe is dependent on God, but God's not dependent on the universe. But see, in their view, there is no God and only the universe exists. So what that has developed into is that if there is no God in 
progressivism, materialism, naturalism. If there is no God, the highest authority in the life of the human being is the government. And they grab the power and, it, and, and they're constantly, people like you and I, we get pushed to the side because we will not it. We are not going to obey. And that's why we're under attack. I might even go as far as to say that the things you were describing, if you don't believe that there's a God, in a sense, you make yourself God. It's up to you to oh, pick oh, and choose. Oh, it, it absolutely. Uh, you, you're saying that homosexuality is okay, transgenderism, uh, sex reassignments, or whatever you do, it's okay because there is no God. There, there is no God. There is no God. So, so the individual makes... It's idolatry. It's, it's a form of idolatry. It's a form of idolatry. You know, I was just reading Alex McFarland's uh, article. I mentioned that to you before the uh, deal, and he was saying that if somebody, if, uh, if you could imagine an alien coming and just observing our world, trying to figure out what it is that we worship, he listed a bunch of things and he said basically they'd come to the conclusion that they worship themselves. Uh, absolutely. Well, well uh, <laughs> that uh, brings us back to Genesis chapter 3. Mm -hmm. That was it. Do you want to be, you want to be God. Um, and, and Satan is always there luring people towards the idea that they can be the final authority in their life. And they can't be. They can't be. God spoke this creation. And that's, that's why that philosophy of science com component in my background that you were mm -hmm, looking at. Mm -hmm. See, all that fits in. I, I, I had a conversation with a scientist one time at Los Alamos, and I gave a lecture at the laboratory long before congressional days. And uh, he came up and he said, Mr. Edmund, this was fascinating, but you need to know one thing. You know, uh, uh, you're a Christian, so you're a man of faith. I'm a scientist. I'm a man of reason. Well, I took that, Andrew, for a nanosecond, okay? I mean, just real brief. And I said, oh, what do you do here at the lab? And, you know, XYZ, well, how do you do it? Well, I use scientific method. Refresh my memory, what's scientific method? Well, we collect all the data and then we begin to hypothesize, I said, time out. How do you know he have all the data? And I said, well, we believe you have all the data. And I said, well, I believe you're a man of faith. And, and he was caught in his sandals right there. Yeah. And he said, and I believe you're a man of reason. Jesus calls us to worship him with our whole mind. Yeah. Okay. Christianity is not mindless. It's, man, you know, I just was reading some stuff from Ken Ham today, Answers in Genesis. And, man, the evidence for creation oh. versus evolution is just overwhelming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, oftentimes people will say something like, well, matter is neither created nor destroyed. I said, well, can you demonstrate that scientifically? They can't. No. They, they, they can't. And so, you know, and, and this, is, this is where I, I keep pushing out, I keep pushing out. Truth is not a Greek philosophical concept. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. He spoke this creation into being. And when this creation is in line in, with His character and His holiness, we thrive. But when our life is not in line with truth, this person, people suffer. I agree. And this Word is truth. This is His revelation of what is truth. And you, we wouldn't even know how to spell God if it wasn't for the Bible. That's right. <laughs> and That's so right. this is His revelation. Second, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 says that by uh, Him we have this knowledge that is revealed unto these, these things to us. So this is the Word of God and it's the 
departure from the Word of God that has given place to all of these lies that are happening today. Absolutely. We've got to change it. Absolutely. We're going to take a break here in just a short period of time, but I'd really encourage you to call in. Bill is just a tremendous resource. Uh, we, he can talk about a lot of things. He's been involved in this for a long time. The number is 719-619-2341. And, um, man, there's just so many things that you could glean from talking to him. So uh, we're going to take a break here in just a minute or so. So I really like what you were saying about that, you know, it's not these individual things of abortion, transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, the budget, and on and on. It's just people that are substituting themselves and deciding truth for themselves. They have rejected God, and I believe that there is a prejudice on their part. They are against God. They don't like the restraints. Oh, that God oh absolutely. Puts on. A a a absolutely. So there's not a conspiracy, but there's critical mass of people that hold this worldview and they're deeply ingrained in all aspects of American culture. Yeah, I don't think it's a conspiracy in the sense that Soros is driving it all or one person is driving it, but I do believe that there is a demonic spirit, the spirit of Antichrist that is leading all of these different things. And so Satan has a conspiracy oh, oh, against absolutely. us because we are his biggest hindrance in taking over this world and accomplishing his purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and it just didn't start up, you know, like with, uh, you know, the Beatles and, and, you know, in the 1960s and the war protest. I, I was talking to my dad one day and I'm driving down Lakeshore Drive and I said, Dad, what was like when you were in high school? And he said, well, all the teachers were communists. And, and he graduated in 1935. Wow. And, and I almost wrecked the van. I, I, yeah, what no do you mean? Oh, I had no concept. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, the teachers were communists. And he, he went to uh, Tilden Technical School. He's a tool and die maker. And he makes the machines and makes the products. And, and, uh, uh, but the communists had already infiltrated the labor unions, yeah. the factories, and the trade schools because the boys that were coming out, the young men that were coming out, they wanted them to be card-carrying communists before they got to the factories where they were going to make the machines. Wow. They were trying to get a hold of the manufacturing manufacturing base and uh, uh, and and he, and he said yeah he said um, uh, and I asked him I said and I, I said dad why didn't you become a communist and my, my dad was very good at what he did um, just high school no college and he said well I looked at what they had and I looked at what we have and they don't have anything That's right. <laughs> It was that simple yeah. for him. Let's hold that thought. We'll come back on the other side of the break. We still have open lines at 719-619-2341. We'd love to put you on the air. And if you have any questions or comments for Bill or myself, we'll be glad to take it. 719-619-2341. So let's take a break and we'll be back in 90 seconds. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. 
At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. So welcome back to Truth and Liberty. We, it's a live call-in show. We would encourage you to call. And we've got Bill Redman on with us. He's a former congressman. He's a pastor. He's been involved with everybody, just about, it seems <laughs> like. And he ministers in our School of Practical Government. I think he said for eight years he's been here in our school ministering this week. And I've really enjoyed talking to him. The number is 719-619-2341. And we have open lines right now, so you could call and get in. Bill, one of the things I want to pick up on while we're waiting on some people to call is you were talking about that this has been a long time coming. Even your dad uh, said that all of his teachers were communists back in the 30s. So uh, people think that we have just really come into these uh, problems that we're in during the last three or four years. The, I think it's when it's mushroomed and it's exploded, but it's been a long time coming. Absolutely. And, and, and the sad thing about that, um, Andrew, is that <clears throat> the church has been often a willing accomplice to this worldview, this materialistic worldview that says that God does not exist. God, God gets reinterpreted to be something other than the transcendent being that, that speaks in the creation come into being. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things came to be through Him, the Word becomes flesh. That, that that gets pushed to the side. And, and um, uh, one, one of the things I've studied over the years is how much people who call themselves Christian have capitulated to this worldview. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, we believe in the ethic of Jesus, but you know what? We need the, the uh, economics of Marx in order to fulfill the ethic of Jesus. And uh, the, one of the, the passages that I've come to love, you know, more and more uh, each year is Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. The Apostle Paul says, see to it that you are not taken captive. Okay. Now, he wouldn't say it if it wasn't a possibility. Mm -hmm. And it's not only a possibility, but today in many evangelical churches, it's a probability. Yeah. Because some of the people, even at, you know, uh, up in my age, uh, uh, age bracket, are beginning to believe what's going on with equity, what's going on with, uh, 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 you know, social justice. You know, justice is a biblical concept. It doesn't need a Marxist adjective to That's just to, to, to describe it. And, and, and so churches across this land are in crisis. Churches are splitting. Families are splitting over this idea. And you see social justice and the LGBTQ movement, the feminist movement, all these things that we're seeing, they're not the problem. They're the fruit of the philosophy. And Paul warned us, do not be taken captive 
by, by these empty philosophies. And, and so um, uh, the, one of the biggest threats to not just um, churches today, but, but to this nation are young evangelicals that have been taken captive by the yeah. Marxist ideas when they're dressed up in things like social justice. Yeah, and I believe that a lot of Christians, you know, they've experienced the Lord and they just are so thrilled with the Lord that they really aren't focused on what's happening in this world. They're just enjoying their relationship with God and thinking, well, we just want to get along with people. I had a guest on just last week who said that in Germany there was 18,000 churches. 3,000 of them were actually pro-Nazi. 3,000 were against Nazi, but 12,000 of them just did whatever <clears throat> it took to keep from rocking the boat and stuff. Yep. So the vast majority of them were just indifferent. And that's kind of where we've seen the American church. That's right, that's right. And this is a repeat of what took place in the German churches. You know, people are going to be familiar with, uh, I'm going to paraphrase a quote from uh, Pastor Mark Niemuller, who, you know, was uh, in, in Germany. And uh, um, uh, in fact, if you go to the Holocaust Museum, one of the last things you see as you leave is this quote by Niemuller. He's not only a pastor, he's the son of a pastor. Okay, and, and Niemuller says, well, when they came for the communists, I wasn't a communist, so I didn't speak up. They came for the trade unionists, I wasn't a trade unionist, I didn't speak up. They came for the Jews, I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't speak up. Now they're here for me, and there's no one left to That's speak right. up. Right. Well, when I was a young preacher, I thought, man, wow, that, was, that guy was in a desperate situation. And then it dawned on me, did, is this not a man that ascended the pulpit every week and read the gospel, read the epistles, read the Old Testament? Did, did he miss the part when Jesus said, when I was hungry, you didn't give me any food. Yeah. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me any drink. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When people were tearing me apart uh, limb by limb in my mother's womb, where were you? Yeah. When they were mutilating the children, where were you? When they were coming for the trade unionists, where this pastor, what he didn't didn't show up. Yep. He didn't show up. And so for somebody to be that close to the Word of God, but he had been conditioned by a materialistic worldview, and he saw Hitler as the embodiment of the true faith that he had. And what he did is he did what the Jews of the Old Testament did, that we can go on certain days of the year, and we're going to do the Yom Kippur and the Passover and the trumpets, but all the rest of the year we can do with Baal. And they try to mix them together. They did it in Germany, and it was a disaster. Bloodshed of innocent people all yeah. over. And now we've got it inside the evangelical churches yeah. where we've got, the, we've got people that think that they can hold on to the Jesus words and the feelings about Jesus, and that they can simultaneously bring this economic deity side by side, and that's going to be okay with God. You and I here tell them that it's not. And another German clergyman is Bonhoeffer, and he said that not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Yep. And for people to think that somehow or another we can just be indifferent and not speak out on this, it's sin. 
It is. It is. It is. And, and that's where it goes back to what we were saying before the program, is that there are people that think and don't act, and there are people that act and don't think, and we've got to bring thinking and acting together so people are going to get politically involved. It can't be just because they're upset with the president, okay, or upset with what's going I mean, that could be the, the, the thing that lights the match, but, but, you know, you have to be fully informed. You have to recognize that the people that you're talking to, that they too are made in the image and likeness of God, and there needs to be a respect and winsomeness when you're talking to them. And if they're going to be offended, let them be offended over something Jesus said, but don't let them be offended because of the way you behaved in public. You know, let me say this, and I'd be interested to see what you think about it, but, uh, you know, we say that faith without works is dead. And people agree with that. That's a scripture, John, I mean, uh, James chapter 2, verse 20. But I also believe that there is basically a theology that many people think that I'm called to pray. And so I'm going to pray for this nation. And they're going to pray and they will stand and they will pray for hours at a time. They'll fast, but they would never act on it. And I, I say this, and it offends a lot of people, but I believe that prayer without action is just as dead as faith without Absolutely. action. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of Christians, maybe Christians watching this, who think, well, I hate all of this, but man, I'm praying. And that's all they think that they need to do. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, you know, the, the parable of the sheep and the goats ought to tell them otherwise. That you've got to, if, if the hungry person is there, you got to find the food. Mm -hmm. If there's a child that's being mutilated, you need to stop that. That, yeah. that, that, that there is a time to put, you know. Uh, uh, Christianity is not theoretical. It's about this world and it's about everyday life. So that's not putting down prayer at all. No, no, oh, no more than putting not, down yeah. faith. But yeah. you, you've got to have actions to it. And people, I believe, feel completely justified. Well, I pray about this every day. Mm -hmm. But they won't do anything. They won't vote. They won't run for office. They won't support people that will. They won't stand up in their workplace and make a, a statement and they justify it. But the truth is they're just cowards. That, well, it's a little and, straight. And I think in the book, I think in the book of Revelation was Jesus say about the cowards? It's um, fire lake. That's right. Lake of fire. The unbelieving know. and the cowards and all these people yeah. will be cast into a lake of fire. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I've been saying for years, <clears throat> um, uh, you know, you, I hear you know, preachers say, well, we can't uh, because, you know, the Johnson Amendment, 501c3. And I, I started saying 25 years ago, I said, it is not the 501c3. It is bad theology in the church. Right. It's the bad theology that drove us to the place we are. And, and, and even if it was the 501c3, we're, we're going to be silent about the truth and the, you know, the, the, the full counsel I, 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 that we sound more like Pharisees and Sadducees at That's that right. particular point. You, you know. know, during the COVID thing, we had the city officials and the health department come and threaten to do all kinds of stuff. The governor threatened to arrest me. And one of the things they threatened me with was that we're going to take away your 501c3. And I said, look, I don't care. I am not captive to that. And anybody who would compromise what the Word of God says because it might cost them some money, they're a hireling. Absolutely. That's not God Absolutely. at all. Acts chapter 20, okay, Paul shows up Miletus, calls down the Ephesian elders, okay, and, and, and you know, they're, they're good friends. They'd been with them for a long time, uh, going all the way back to Acts chapter 18 and 19. And, and, and so these, these men are close to Paul, and he says something that is terrifying. He says, 
some from among you. That's right. I was just talking about that yesterday. <laughs> some from among you. And he had and labored among those He people. had labored among them. He, two years in the Hall of Tyrannus, every school, yeah. seven days a week. Maybe they took the Sabbath off, but yeah. for the seven days a week for two years, Paul trained these men. And he says, I have, I have the, communicated the full counsel of God, and I have no blood on my hands. Andrew, we have too many preachers that are afraid of communicating the full counsel yeah. of God to individuals and a nation and to congregations that need it for their sake and their salvation, and they've got blood on their hands because they're silent. And you know what you just said, that example brings up another point, and that is that I was talking to some people yesterday about that Moses said, that I know as soon as I die, you're going to go astray. Joshua said, I know as soon as I die that y'all will go astray. And David, as soon as he died, everything went to pot and on and on. And then Paul said the same thing. So this raises the question that if these great men of God and the move of God only lasted like during their lifetime, it just makes people think, well, what's the use? And I think that there's a lot of Christians today that are seeing all of the wokeness and the thing that's going on, and they have really reached a place to where uh, we just can't stop this. Right. I even had one employee over in um, South Africa that said that this is prophesied in Scripture, and the Antichrist is going to take over, and these things, it's all a fulfillment of prophecy. Why fight against it? And my answer was that. For one thing, I don't believe God has a date circled on a calendar that this is when the world is going to pot. I think that the body of Christ has risen up and, and delayed the coming of the Lord numerous times. But even if this was uh, unavoidable and if this is the end times and all this happened, I am not going to cooperate. I'm going to go down swinging. No, I'm not going to participate. Ab absolutely. Okay, take the parable of the steward, okay, that the king goes off and, get, and, and hands out talents. And then, you know, two of them invest, the other guy, he hides it because the king is upset, you know, a mean guy. I don't want to be anywhere standing on the Day of Judgment next to somebody that took their talent and hid it yeah, under the yeah. bed. And, and just because Christ is coming, that doesn't mean that my faithfulness and my obedience ends any sooner than the last breath I draw. I had David and Tim Barton on, and we were discussing a similar thing. People were so upset over the ballots and over the elections being hijacked. And they were saying, what's the use of voting? And David Barton, this is what he said. He said, even if that's true, which he believed it is in many cases, maybe not every case, but he said, even if that's true, I'm going to stand before God and give an account for what I did, Absolutely. even if somebody takes my vote and use, misuses it or puts in, you know, dead people voting and things like this. He says, I'm accountable to God for what I do, regardless of what somebody else does. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's like, you know, if a per, you know, if person is tithing and they give it to a ministry, you know, or a church or a preacher that misuses it, you were faithful. You have you, you you have fulfilled your faithfulness before God, and and I, and I tell people, I said, we are the steward of everything that God gave us, and you know what? He's given us this liberty, and He's given you a ballot. You're going to take that ballot and put it under the bed, and on Judgment Day, say, "Oh, here's the ballot, Lord." No. <laughs> 
Well, you know, you know some things about uh, elections being stolen. We might talk about that on the other side of the break. Let me again just say that, man, I'd love for you to call in. We got open lines, but man, I'm enjoying talking to Bill. He's a great resource and you would really be blessed. So let's go to, uh, let's see, the number is 719-619-2341. Let's go to Michael in Nevada. And you're on Truth and Liberty with Bill and Andrew. Gentlemen. Yes, sir. I, I, I'm just listening to your conversation here. And the Lord says uh, we're created in the image of the, of the Lord, and then we're personally blessed by the Lord. But look, at, I, uh, I have a, a situation that I run across in the media, and it's from uh, Archimax, and it's Lawrence Maurer, uh, Tampa Bay Times. And it says Florida wants to ban social media for kids. What do you think? <laughs> I hadn't heard of that. What do you think? I, I hadn't heard about it. Um, the uh, um, uh, and, and I haven't shared this with you, but you know, you, you you know, we both have kids, and they sat around our dining room table, and you know, I I trained them. And I said, look, I said, uh, you know, the time may come you're, you, you may be ashamed of other Christians of the church or, um, you know, maybe even me, but you never have to be ashamed of Jesus. And I prepared my children around my dining room table to encounter evil when they left. I let them know that evil is going to be out there. And social media, I mean, I've got, I've got four grandkids, well, five grandkids, and, uh, you know, social media is, is, is a threat. Absolutely. But you know what? The parents have the ability to control that. But if all you do is you control it, but not train the children to have the discernment to on their own voluntarily say no. See, this is the problem with with a lot of Christian families. The kids are in church, but they're not in Christ. And, and if you've not trained them to have discernment about everything and worship God with their whole mind so that when they come of age that they can evaluate uh, social media uh, with a biblical worldview and decide how much can I be engaged with this and how much can I not. And so it's not j- if a parent just tries to put a fort up around the kid, you can do that for a while. But the kid is going to have to hear from the parent about how to be discerning about not just social media, but about everything to sort out good from evil, light from darkness, and continually make the decision for Jesus. Yeah, Michael, I would be, I would have to pray about this because in one respect, I agree totally with everything Bill is saying that it's the parent's responsibility, not government's responsibility to control your kids. And so that's my kind of my basis. But then at the same time, does that mean that you don't put any limits on like pornography, on uh, anything? Well, we have all kinds of limits. We limit uh, pornography. It's not done very well, but we have some limits on that. You know, we put limits. You don't just give people the right to go out and murder. It's against the law to murder, and we don't let everybody make that decision on their own. So. I would say that we got too much government involvement. We depend upon the government too much to sit there and police. And and this is nearly a progressive mindset that let's pass a law instead of having individual liberty. But then there's got to be a balance with that because we don't allow murder, we don't allow rape, we don't allow pornography. So there's a balance somewhere yeah. in, in well, between those well, two. Well, 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 Andrew, I think it's it, it provides an opportunity for the parent to talk to their child about freedom, 
See, we often think that when we use the word freedom, we think freedom from. That's a negative freedom. Freedom from heavy taxes, freedom from regulation. But see, the thing is, is that when God made Adam and Eve free, even before the fall, they were free, but they were free for something, that there was something that they were supposed to do. They were to have dominion, be fruitful and multiply, and God was to be blessed as they used their freedom inside this creation. And so the parent, you know, should be able to say, one of these days you're going to be out of this house and you're going to have freedom like you don't have here in the house right now. And, and things will be regulated in this house. But if you, but, but if the parent doesn't teach the child to say, God gave you this freedom, this is a gift. How are you going to steward this freedom? So you're use freedom for and, and social media would come in? Well, no, I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm saying, does that mean that we place no limits on it? Like we got right now, there are laws against pornography and stuff like that. And I think that that's appropriate, especially for like in school. They're, they're, right now we're fighting a battle with our school system to take out pornographic books that are promoting um, you know, transgenderism and all of this kind of stuff. And the liberals are coming along and say, you're taking away people's freedom of choice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. we have to put some limits on that, especially when people are young. And so what would you think a about a this? Absolutely. What do you think about Florida uh, passing some law to take social media away from children? Um, I I think it would be great in terms I think of... It, I think there would be good that would come out of it, that, but again, we're depending upon the government to exactly, do what people need. Exactly. So, so I, I think the parent, Christian parents should not take a sigh of relief and say, wow, we got that taken care of. No. You know, uh, even, even if the kid had no access to, to social media, the parent still has the responsibility to train up that child so the discernment is in their mind, in their hearts, and, and in their actions actions. See, this reminds me about the origin of the synagogue. See, the synagogue is not in the first five books of the Bible. The synagogue doesn't show up until after the exile. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew leaders in exile were answering the question, how do we keep them Jewish and faithful to God inside Babylonian culture? That's the same question that, the, that, that we're facing today. And I'm not sure that the, you know, that, that the Babylonian government was assisting parents by putting regulations there. We can do that in our situation, but we still have that obligation to, uh, uh, to you know, train, help them train in discernment so that they're freely choosing for God. So Michael, are you still with us? Let me just ask you, how do you feel about this Florida law that they've proposed? Well, goodness, you know, when the Lord touches you, uh, you respond. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if children seeking social media have to complete a questionnaire before registering to enter their requested likes? For an example, is it, do you agree that only proper language be used on social media? Yes or no? With a comment, says, what do you think? Give them an opportunity to apply their inner will as to speak let the lord speak through them or well the, uh, picture pictures of uh, no exposure to be proper for my personality yes or no what do you think well you know michael without uh, knowing more about that law i really can't come on it comment on it and uh, it is 
it is true that we need to place restrictions, you know. There are laws against murder. There's laws against rape. There's laws against stealing. There's laws against robbing a bank. So we're restricting people's freedom. So I don't believe this thing that we ought to be total libertarians and just whatever a person wants to do. But at the same time, I am against government restricting and dictating everything that we do because you get a bad government in and they're going to tell you that you can't believe the Bible and you have mm -hmm. to support homosexuality. So, uh, man, this is like a two-edged sword. Uh, it's going to cut both ways. I'm not sure that I would have a definitive answer on that. Yeah, I, I, I think that there, you know, we put up guardrails so kids when they're driving don't mm -hmm. go off the edge. And so I think that there's a time and place for that. Um, but, uh, but, but the thing, the thing that, you know, the parents need to understand is that right now on social media, all that's being recorded, all that's being yeah. stored, there's databases that are there and a psychological profile is being built on every child. And that data is going to be used against them at some point Absolutely. in their life. And so, uh, e even when the question is, you know, should, you know, uh, should, should we tolerate bad language? Well, what does that mean? Okay, if you say that, well, you know, I think that, you know, two men together is wrong and, and that shows up on your social media, that child is now marked. <laughs> yeah, but also if you come out and say that, uh, you know, we believe that the Bible is true. Well, it depends on who's in charge of policing this thing. That could be considered hate speech oh. and they're doing that stuff today. So. Exactly. Man, once you start putting laws that govern things instead of morality, the person's on, I don't know, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. We're going to take a break uh, and come back. We uh, do have some lines open, 719-619-2341, and I'm really enjoying talking to Bill, and so I can just continue to talk to him. But if you would like to talk, uh, we'd like to have you join us, 719-619-2341. So let's take a 90-second break, and we'll be right back to take more questions and comment from Bill Redman. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. All right, we're back. I'm Andrew Womack. My guest is Bill Redman, former congressman. He's a pastor. He's worked with everybody. He's been around a long time and just a wealth of information. We still have open lines, so you can call at 719-619-2341, and we'd love to take your call. 
Bill, let me just start off this last half hour, and again, I would encourage people to call, but let me start off that I remember sitting down with you and Bill Federer one time, and we were talking about a multitude of things, but you, you were elected to office, but then you ran and the election was stolen from you. And you, this isn't something that's theoretical. This is something that you experienced. Could you talk about that? Because we're entering into an election season and there's sure. a lot of people struggling sure, with Sure, sure. And, and, there, and there's more than one way to steal an election. And, uh, and now with the new technology, there's, there's multiple ways that it can be done. Uh, that what, that one, one way is to produce false information about the candidate, and that's what they did. Slander. In the last, uh, yes, exactly. Um, the, uh, 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 when I was in office, there was a vote that was for uh, um, uh, supporting breast cancer research to find a cure for breast cancer. And, uh, uh, and, and my mom died of breast cancer when I was 12. I was seven years old when she sat me and my little sister down and explained she's going to go to the hospital. And, and so we lived through uh, almost five years of uh, uh, suffering with my mom. I'm the last guy to be against breast cancer research. Well, there was a vote that came up. And uh, Newt Gingrich was very strongly in favor of funding and find, uh, breast cancer research and finding a way. And, and so what happened was that there was a vote and it was going to give breast cancer research a double cost of living, okay, to try to expedite, you know, try to move it faster along. Well, the Democrats had introduced a, uh, an amendment that would give it only a regular COLA and just, just the same funding that everybody else got. And so I voted against the regular COLA in favor of the double COLA. Well, now they had me on record as being against breast cancer research. Every female in Congressional District 3, including my wife, got a postcard in the mail talking about how we had a 10-point lead until this mail piece came out. Did your wife vote against you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Or did you well, ever ask? She came, she came and with it in hand. She says, what were you thinking? And I had to explain to her what had happened. And, um, but, uh, and, and they refer to that as an October surprise. It happened on the weekend right before the election on Tuesday. And it was too late to go up on media to respond to it. And any damage that was done, the mitigation, there wasn't enough time for mitigation. Yeah. And, and so there was that way, you, elections can be stolen with. So if you think that the opponents are not campaigning while they're passing laws, there's intentional things that are done and, and the, the process is seated to use material against you in the election. See, we wake up, you know, on uh, Labor Day a few weeks before the election and think the campaign just, no, no, they've been at it all the, the entire time, the entire time. The other is that in New Mexico and in other states is that uh, for, for the longest time, there are, um, there are ways of, uh, of uh, uh, even, even when you had paper ballots, um, and before the Dominion machines, we had the problems with that, that, that uh, you know, Republicans would go in, pro-life Christians would go in, and they would receive their ballot. And then, you know, just say, this is the ballot, you receive the ballot, and there would be a poll worker that would take a felt tip and put a little dot down at the bottom, and then they hand you the ballot, and you would go ahead and vote it. And then what would happen is they'd put it in the machine and it would, you know, it would tally. And then if their candidate didn't win, they would go through the stack of ballots and they would look for 
the uh, dot, which means that this was a Republican, and then they would take that ballot, and for the key races, they would double vote, and then that ballot was stolen, and those votes didn't count. Now, that happened. It happened. It happened. And how I found out it happened, there was an evangelical preacher who at the time had been a Democrat and had friends and family and people that were working in the polls, and they had saw it, they had seen it, and he had heard the report uh, firsthand. But but that kind of thing goes on in New Mexico quite a bit. We, we had, in, in my race for the U.S. Senate, we uh, found that there was uh, uh, one address, and it had 50-some people yeah, registered. Heard that, and, yeah. and then we drove out there, and it was an empty lot. Yeah. And so, so that kind of, it, it, long before the problem with the Dominion machines, the, the corruption has been. So that ballot harvesting, that's part of it? That's part of it. You know, I, I've got some more things I'd like to say about that, but we still have some lines open, 719-619-2341. Let's go to Shane calling in from Florida, and you're on Truth and Liberty with Bill and Andrew. Hello. How are you doing? Hello, Shane. We are blessed. Amen. Okay, my question, I have two questions. Uh, my first question is uh, about our farms and is China buying up our uh, farmland? And um, I heard that um, they had passed a bill because China was buying up so much land, and they tried to stop them, but they found China found a, a loophole. And um, this the man that I got this information from was uh, online. His name is. Uh, Teddy Daniels, I believe, and he said that China only needs 6% of our farmlands to control our food supply and put us into a, a famine, pull the plug, so to speak. And I was wondering if you guys knew anything about that. that I don't know anything about it. How about you, Bill? I do. That's one of my All specialties. Right. All right. <laughs> what do you got? So, so yes, uh, China, uh, uh, and, and, and when we say China, I think it's real important that we need to, to understand that the fastest growth in the church in two millennium has taken place in China. Mm -hmm. So when we say China, we want to we give respect to the 120 million Christian brothers and sisters that I are there. I got 200 and 50,000 underground churches who get my devotion every day in Ab China. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> good things and, and, so, and so when we say China, we need to make it very clear that we're talking about the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, that's very, that's mm -hmm. very, very important. Uh, because it's honest and God, Jesus wants us to be honest and, th and that's honest. So is the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese government, uh, either directly or indirectly uh, purchasing not just farmland, but other American assets? And the answer is yes. Uh, in fact, China right now, there's a book that's out, and you might want to look this up. You can get it from your library or through Interlibrary Loan. It's called uh, Africa, China's Second Continent, because China has pretty much bought up many of the politicians, many of the governments, many of the economic industry uh, lifelines for for African countries, and, and they've, they've learned to become capitalists with Chinese characteristics is how they're... Yeah, I've been in Uganda 
and actually seen where they are buying and building stuff and they're pumping lots of money into it. So, so, so uh, uh, we're, I, I'm personally tied to a network of about 3,000 underground churches. We've been doing worldview training for 25 years now and a number of our people were pushed out of China with persecution and they've gone to Africa to evangelize the Chinese that are moving to Africa to operate the, 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 uh, the plethora of businesses uh, that are there in Africa. So, so the particular we're talking about here is farmland, and that and that's true. Um, uh, that they that they that they have bought up farmland. I don't know uh, what the critical number is right now. Uh, I'm glad that that uh, you know that there's somebody's trying to do something about how much any foreign entity can invest in the United States. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but the biggest problem is, is that the money that we're getting, the trillions that we're uh, spending uh, through this current administration, that's all borrowed money. And, yeah, and, and most of it's from China. And not only that, for those of you that don't know, it's on an adjustable rate mortgage. That, no, that, that interest is, 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 is flexible, is flexible. And so, uh, so that, that, you know, more, uh, more of that is is uh, far more serious than what the farmland farmland situation is. Uh, one of the things that we have where we have a in the United States right now we've got a uh, an issue with critical minerals. Uh, you know lithium and you know there, there there's a there's a group that's called rare earth minerals. Uh, one of them is magnesium. Uh, you need magnesium for uh, to make steel, and the United States does not have a mine or a magnesium uh, processing facility here. And uh, because that went away along with our manufacturing capability. So the, uh, we don't have the resources to make steel. We don't have the factories to do anything with them, even if we did, even if we did have steel. Uh, right now, Trump turned that around to some degree, didn't he? Didn't I'm sorry? Did, when Trump came in, didn't he, uh, didn't the steel uh, industry there, in the there, U.S. Re there, 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 was, there was, there was some, some revival, but it's not a critical mass for the United States really to I'm be sure able to defend. Biden hadn't helped. To be, to, yeah, yeah, that could be, <laughs> that could, that could be, and so, so rare earths that are needed for the technology, for surgery, for medicine, uh, that uh, um, um, that basically 95% of the world's rare earths are produced by China. There's not a country that can uh, use get, get get a hold of rare earths without China being involved. Wow, that's dangerous. Uh, they had a problem, um, uh, Japan, when uh, China moved a aircraft carrier into Japanese water and when Japan said hey back off uh, uh, Beijing's response was how do you really like those rare earths or not and and Japan backed off but immediately right after that both Japan and Australia uh, put together uh, each of them their own program 40 billion dollars or more to repatriate Japanese companies back to Japan repatriate uh, Australian companies back to Australia so the the particular question is about um, farmland but the principle is that China has its its uh, its hands in everything Tenet on Every, tentacles are on every continent, yeah. every government, um, and and it is it is a serious problem. Did you know in 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell and it looked like the Soviet Union you know started unraveling and people were saying, man, this is the end of the conflict, peace, peace, when there is no peace. I knew that the scripture said that there wouldn't be peace, and so I got to praying and saying, God, what's going to happen? And the Lord spoke to me in 1989. He said, in your lifetime. 
China is going to be a bigger threat to the U.S. than the Soviet Union was. Absolutely. And we're seeing that. Uh, Absolutely. And there is no indication of it in 89 that I was aware of. Absolutely. And, and see, here, here's, the, here's the irony and sad part about it, getting back to Colossians 2, chapter 8, or ver, verse 8, uh, you know, do not, you know, do not be taken captive by the empty philosophies of men. What the social justice people are doing here in the United States and even inside evangelical churches is basically subscribing to the same worldview and economic system that China has and the Soviet Union has and Cuba has. And that worldview has created nothing but poverty every place that it's been. China is able to do what it has, what, what his, it has accomplished because the United States has assisted them with science Technology, farm, you know, farm products, um, and um, let them off the hook when they have viruses formed in the lab and hadn't held them accountable. Yep, yep. Yes. Let's go to the next person here. Uh, we've got a uh, number of lines still open, but we got a few people on the line. 719-619-2341. So let's go to Frank in Missouri. Frank, you're on Truth and Liberty with Bill and Andrew. Yeah, sir. It's a privilege. Uh, my question is, uh, I heard you say, Andrew, about uh, the body of Christ delaying uh, the coming of the Lord. And so I want to know if the, if the opposite of that is true, that uh, if we're preaching, you know, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, I'm sure you meant to wish it all, all sleep or our conversation is in heaven once you look at us. If we're preaching that, are we hastening the coming of the Lord? So let me answer this. Uh... I, I've never heard anybody else say this, and I've not gotten strong enough to say, Thus saith the Lord. But it's my opinion that the spirit of Antichrist has been working since the days that Jesus was on the earth. Uh, John spoke about it three times in his writings, and he says, Now there are many Antichrists. So I think that the spirit of Antichrist has been working for 2,000 years, and he's trying to take over and do all of the things that Bill and I have been discussing today. But when the body of Christ stands up, I believe, I don't think that God's got a date circled on a calendar that this is when the tribulation starts. This is when the beast comes up. I don't think that there's a date circled. I think that the devil is trying to bring forth an antichrist, and he's been trying to do it for 2,000 years. But like, say, for instance, in World War II, I think Hitler would have made a great antichrist. He persecuted the Jews. He was... He, he nearly fulfilled every single requirement of the Antichrist, but the body of Christ rose up, and not only the body of Christ, but Christian nations like the U.S., and we fought against him, and I think we delayed what Satan was trying to do. So I'm saying all that to say that I believe that, in a sense, the, the, the appearing of the Antichrist, the tribulation period, is not a static time that is determined, I think it's in flux based on whether or not the body of Christ is going to hinder. You know, it says now, he who hinders will let until he be taken out of the way. And I think that the body of Christ uh, can delay the coming of the Antichrist and therefore, in a sense, delay the coming of the Lord. I've never heard anybody else say that, but that's what I've been meditating. Well, I think Isaiah said it. 
Well, the, explain <laughs> it. Then. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that, is that what you just said is forgotten theology. That, that this is what I was trying to say earlier is that the church has forgotten so much of what is in that book, and you just put out a position that is absolutely there, and it's a position that the church has forgotten, and and people need to hear that because all the way through Isaiah, there there, there there's the the warning that if you do not repent destruction's coming. If you do not repent, destruction's coming. And what we see is multiple times God does, He does hold the destruction, or He holds off sending the people off into slavery. And so what you stated, Andrew, is the biblical theology of the, of the book of Isaiah. Hmm. And, and I hadn't and, looked at it. But you know, I don't think that it's God that's bringing in the Antichrist. It's not God who's doing this. He's prophesied that it'll happen because He knows all things. But it's Satan that's going to do this and he can only do it when the godly people do not stand up. And so uh, we're in a situation right now where, I mean, we are very close to seeing things that are listed in the book of Revelation come into pass. But it's not automatic that it's going right. to happen. If the body of Christ rises up, I believe we can tamp Satan down again and stop from losing this nation, which right now is the number one impediment to Satan's world. Uh, order that he's trying to put out. Right. So let's go to another Frank from Rhode Island. Frank, you're on with Bill and Andrew. Hello there. It's just yes, a, kind of a quick comment. It's almost so simple that I almost didn't want to call in. But when Jesus, when he raised, he's raised from the dead after Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, he says something when they give him the broil fish and, you know, the honeycomb. He said he opened their understanding so they could comprehend the Scripture. Even when it says the veil's over their hearts uh, until they believe. And I'm thinking if I could say something to brothers and sisters today, I watch a lot of teaching. You know, we get so much teaching, good teachers. Andrew, you're one excellent teacher. I've listened to you for years. Christ, one God and Father above all to all and in us all. The focus of God in us, where he's our righteousness, he's become our wisdom, he's become our redemption. And Andrew, you could go on and on and on, and I can go on and on about many things he is for us now. But I don't see people, a lot of them, that's not the focus that God is in them. He reveals, opens their understanding to the Scripture. So I feel if I could say anything to anyone today to keep them strong, to keep them, they could overcome. He keeps us from falling. He makes us stand. He, he saves us to the uttermost. He presents us false and blameless. And we all could go on and on, but the focus, God is in us now. And I know, Andrew, you could go off on that. So that's right. it. Well, thanks, Frank. I appreciate the call. Let me just say that that's Luke 24, 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scripture. And the Word of God's not written to your head. It's written to your heart. And it takes the Holy Spirit enlightening it to you. And uh, you have to have an open heart in order to really get the benefit. And let me just add to this. Bill and I were just talking about the Antichrist, the end of the world stuff. And it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and it says, then shall that, verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And here's the reason that he was able to do this, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
If people don't embrace the Word of God as the truth, well, then they have no defense against this. And the next verse even says, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So not only is the Word of God our defense against the lies and the deceivableness of the Antichrist, but if we don't embrace the Word of God, there is coming a time that God will literally send a strong delusion and just take away people's ability to reason. And in my estimation, that's kind of where we are. People that can't even figure out which bathroom to go into, whether they're a man or a woman, that's about as dumb as you can get. You well, nearly have to be deluded. <laughs> and see, that's exactly the, the point that Paul is making in Romans chapter 1. There's a list of all these sins, yeah. and, and people say, well, you know, he's singling out, you know, uh, you know same-sex activity sins as, you know, something special. It goes, no, he's not. All sin is sin, period. All sin is sin. Why he singles out the homosexual behavior is that God has made it so evident, something that is so common sense. Their heart is so hard, they're going to rebel against that which everybody yeah. knows. Yeah, that's, that's how hard their heart is. Yeah, sex between a man and a woman, about as simple as it gets, that's the only way that the parts fit. It mm -hmm. doesn't work with mm -hmm. two women or two men. For a person can't figure that out, uh, they've got to be deluded. It is a demonic deception. Let's go to Ralph in New Jersey. You're on Truth and Liberty with Bill and Andrew. Yes, thank you, man. I'm glad to talk to you. Could you please tell me, should we get water baptized before we get saved or after we get saved? Well, the simple answer to that is out of Acts chapter 8, and Philip was ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? And Philip told him, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. So that right there makes it clear that you have to believe before you get baptized. So christening a child, getting baptized as an infant or something before you believe is useless. All it does is get you wet. You have to believe first before you can do water baptism. So that would be my answer. A absolutely. And, and not, not only that passage, but also Acts chapter 2, uh, day of Pentecost. Yeah. Uh, you know, Peter has an awesome exposés, probably, you know, what he may have heard on the road to Emmaus. <laughs> and, and he ends his sermon and he says, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Next phrase, it says that they were cut to the heart. The heart is the seat of decision. The heart is where the, the, the fool says that there is no God. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then the next question is, what must we do? And he says, be baptized, you know, every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the, but they, they were fully persuaded that Jesus was Absolutely. Lord and it was the immediate thing that they did. There is no precedent for baptism before you get born again. So I hope that helped, Ralph. Uh, we're running a little short of time, so let's go to Gloria. You're calling in from Colorado and you're on with Bill and Andrew. My question Hello. is, how do we, is, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Hear you fine. Okay, okay great. Um, how do we respond if there's a, a terror attack in our cities? How do we know what to do if lines and stuff like that are, are cut off? Well, I, I would say that there's two ways to respond. And whether you're talking about spiritually, 
or physically. Now, spiritually, I would say that you never let fear get a hold of you. Uh, you never give place to fear. And I could give you hundreds of scriptures about fear not and perfect love is what cast out fear. So from a spiritual standpoint, you cannot let go of your faith in the Lord and your trust that He is going to uh, protect you and deal with things. So spiritually, that's how you deal with it. Now, physically, uh, I think you need to do everything you can to be prepared for a terrorist attack. Uh, as a, if I was in government, man, I guarantee you, I would. Well, let me just use this example: that in our ministry, right here, we have more AR-15s, more weapons than the police and the sheriff's department in our whole county put together. That's what they told me. <laughs> we are protected and our guys wear uh, vests, they are armed and uh, I'm doing that and it's a uh, deterrent. When people come here, you know, they will check out. Like th this uh, girl that went in that was a uh, lesbian or something and she went into a Christian school and killed a number of people. They said that she had scoped out two or three schools and she went to the one that had the least protection uh, against it and that's where she went. So uh, we are armed to the hill and we're very obvious and visible with it and because of that, I think that's one of the reasons we've never had a problem. So in the natural, I would do everything to the max that you can do, but in the spiritual, I would have my uh, trust in the Lord and not let anything that, take that yeah. from me. Yeah, people forget that in or I'm sorry, in Romans 13, when Paul talks about the sword, that the responsibility of the government is the sword. Well, the only thing that you do with the sword is you either threaten people and they stop, or you use it in order to defend yourself or to defend the innocent. Well, in America, we are the government. The people are the government, and we have the right to bear the sword to protect innocent life. And so, uh, I, I just concur with. With what you're saying. You know, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31, it says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory is of the Lord. And I believe what that's saying is that, you know, a horse gives you an advantage if you're fighting in a warfare or something like that. And so this is saying that, you know, you need to take those practical things, but your trust has to be in the Lord. There's other scriptures that go along and say a horse is a vain thing to trust in and your trust has to be in the Lord. But that doesn't mean that you don't do the practical things. And there are some Christians, I've actually had some Christians challenge me and say that we ought to just pray and trust the Lord and we shouldn't be putting money into defense and into all of these kind of things. If I was president, I guarantee you, I would ramp up our defenses. I would be, I would be so strong that it would be a deterrent to people to come against me. But I wouldn't put my trust in those things. That would just That's be right. a part of it. My trust would be in the Lord. Hezekiah is an example of this, that he built up all of the walls of Jerusalem. He put engines on the walls, and it doesn't say exactly what that was, but they were, uh, you know, high technology for his day. And he did all of these things, but it was the Lord that granted him his peace and, and overcame the, uh, what was it, the Syrians that came against him. He turned to the Lord and an angel went out and killed 186,000 of the Syrians in one night. And then he also put his trust in the Lord and that kept the Babylonians from coming in. So he had defenses and he was high tech for his day, but his trust was in the Lord. Absolutely. And you think of uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says uh, that, uh, you know, don't worry about um, yourself, that 
he that God will take care of, uh, you know, he takes care of the birds of the air, mm -hmm. the, uh, um, uh, the lilies of the field. And the thing is, is that yes, God does take care of the birds, but he doesn't throw the worm in the nest. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a part that God does and there's a part that we're called to do. And being yeah. prepared is the part that we're supposed to do. And you know, here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verse nine, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. And people nearly always default and say, well, that's just talking about that we just need to have peace and we shouldn't be aggressive or anything. Do you know one of the greatest ways to make peace is through war? There is a time, like for instance, in World War II, did you know the United States, Britain, Australia, Canada, we were the peacemakers and there were millions of people that died, but it's, it solved that situation. It ended World War II. So being a peacemaker doesn't mean that you uh, refuse to stand up and fight as you see the Quakers and people like this. Uh, sometimes the best way to peace is through strength. And, and being from Los Alamos and that's uh, right. <laughs> but, but both uh, bombs were uh, assembled within a thousand feet of my front door. Um, people forget um, that when that when uh, it looked like the American forces along with the Canadians and the Brits were going to have to invade yep. Japan. Okay, they were looking at millions yep. of people that were going to die. But when the bombs came, okay, they went, uh, they, they were dropped on two cities. There was plenty of warning. They passed out leaflets. Uh, yeah, they handed they, them hand, to they handed out leaflets. But those two cities, if they were if they were out to kill people, they would have dropped on Tokyo. What they did is that they they destroyed the two cities that were building all the armament that the Japanese had used to kill more than 10 million people across the Pacific. So when those two bombs dropped, the no total number of people was less than 300,000. Now there was others affected, but that's there, the one. There were killed. others affected, and then and then and then they'll call that weapon of mass destruction. But when you put it side by side with what the Japanese soldiers did in China in the city of Nanking, in yeah. less than 30 days, more than 300 people, 300,000 people yeah. were slaughtered by bayonet and sword alone, more than with the two bombs. And I heard that the U.S. estimated a million American soldiers uh, being killed if they invaded, but multiple millions, maybe five to 10 million Japanese yes. being killed. Lives so were saved. If you put all that together, it's six to eight, 10 million uh, lives were saved by taking 300,000 lives. And now, I know that this is hard to grasp, but people will look at the children that were hurt, the women that were hurt, and they will sit there and focus on that and say it was evil for America. It saved a lot of lives. Absolutely. And they were peacemakers doing it. Absolutely. Man, it's been good having it you, but we're out been. of time already. <laughs> Again, thanks for your, all of your calls. We sure appreciate that. Uh, we're out of time today, but remember that we do this every weekday from 3.30 to 5 o'clock on weekdays, and we have on guests just like Bill and many other people. And I tell you, this is really good. And we, we really appreciate those of you who called in. You can also go to our website and you can see archived programs of this. We have a lot of them. We've been doing this now for nearly a year. So we encourage you to just participate. And if you would like to be a partner with us, we have a place that you can go to truthandliberty.net slash donate, and you can become a partner by having an automatic withdrawal of $5 or more per month. 
Thank you for joining with us. God bless you, and we'll see you again next week on Truth and Liberty Live. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty Livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.